0: Welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Andrew Clyden and I'm joined today by Miles Danhausen, writer and editor for the Pulse.
1: Miles, welcome to the podcast.
0: So nice we recorded it twice.
1: Yeah, I'm not annoyed by our our my my audio screw up at all. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll just jump back in. It's a bummer that folks don't
0: get to listen to the one that we just recorded because it was so we had just had jokes. We were really on our, our groove. Uh, There's a standing ovation at the end. It was really wonderful. But uh, I, I guess I guess that'll have to be lost to time as we jump back in to uh, to do a worse version of it this time around. It was probably our best <laughs> podcast we've ever
1: recorded. Now lost yeah, to history.
0: Right. You cried. I cried. It was, you know, it was a really impressive episode. But uh, <laughs> let's just let's just jump into it. We'll we'll try to do a better or at least a runner up version. Now, we got a couple things to talk about this week. This week, of course, being, uh, you know, just a normal week with nothing of note. Uh, the election is fully in the rearview mirror at this <laughs> point. Uh, nobody's talking about that anymore. So nope, not at all. What,
1: what is there to what is there to talk about at all? Uh, yeah, pretty quiet on the election front. Uh, it's nice. Everyone just put that to bed and moved right along with life, um, except for an, a likely recount in the state of Wisconsin coming our way. It All signs point to that. This is actually the third closest election for the president that Wisconsin has seen in the last 20 years, both... Uh, 2004 and 2012, I believe, if I have that right, are closer. Um,
0: and then a recount in Wisconsin is important because recounts in the past have generally had large implications on the results, correct?
1: <laughs> yeah, very large, as in like a few votes here and there. Um, sure. The The previous recounts have not turned or have not changed the result of these elections, nor did the governor's recount a couple of years ago. Um, the kind of, of more note is the fact that the Wisconsin legislature led by Republican Robin Voss has pushed for an investigation into the election based on what appears to be a lot of email and Internet allegations um, of fraud. However, when Robin Voss says he wants to investigate and Joel Kitchens has seconded this in a report this week from Deb Fitzgerald in our paper is saying we don't believe anything happened. We don't have evidence of any irregularities, but we want to investigate to assure these people and confirm that the election was conducted and the voting was conducted above board, which is kind of like investigating a murder when there was no murder or no crime and no evidence of a crime. But mm-hmm. Right it, it reminds me of like making a nine one one call and they being, you know, nine one one, what's
0: your emergency? Well, nothing, really. I just want to make sure people come out and, and confirm that
1: everything's okay. Yes. Like is that yeah, yeah that's is a that good, an, analogy? good analogy. Yeah. Um now if I I think it, it's Great to investigate if there is some really solid evidence, but apparently, and this is what some legislators have told us, Congress and um, state, is that they've seen stuff on the Internet or they've gotten emails, which, I mean, that's a weird uh, way to base an investigation. But nonetheless, we are going to have one. Um, I would be shocked if anything changes. The county clerk here in Door County did their canvas, um, found no irregularities. Confirm the original vote. On the plus side from the election news, Door County's turnout um, turned out 92% of registered voters turned out in Door County this year. Really great participation rate for our county. Great to see so many people. That's, that's the best turnout we've ever had, and we always have a pretty good turnout in Door County, so really good to see that participation.
0: Well, and then I suppose that there's still a question as to uh, what lent itself to that increased voter participation. Is it just this was a particularly uh, invigorating election cycle and people were really jives to go out to the polls, or is there, is there more things to consider in terms of you know new people coming into the county or an aging demographic?
1: Uh, do we have any... Any ideas on uh, where those numbers live? Well, you hit on a couple of things there. There might actually be like a little bump in population here based on um, maybe people moving here because of COVID and, and recording this now as their home address. There, maybe that's just a guess on my part um, based on anecdotal stuff that I've seen amongst people who have moved here. And then, but I don't know if that would account for the thousands of votes. But you also have like Door County just keeps getting older. And as a community where the average age gets older... Older people are more involved in the electoral process. They tend to vote in higher numbers. So it may just be um, representative of the fact that we are one of the older communities in the state and old people vote. Right. Uh, Moving on,
0: still kind of sticking in the the realm of politics right now. But this week, Governor Tony Evers issued an emergency order on Tuesday, which advised uh, but did not require residents to stay home, avoid social gatherings, so on and so forth. So this is uh, another strongly worded message from the governor about what to do in light of the pandemic right now, but not necessarily anything enforceable, uh, which has kind of been the story in Wisconsin ever since the safer at home order was uh, was voted down by the Wisconsin Supreme Court, correct?
1: Yeah, that's and I think that last point you made there about this Wisconsin Supreme Court Is kind of why this order was phrased this way because I think the governor is um, hesitant to put another order that might be challenged in court, but whereas an advisory would not because it has no teeth. So that's what we get now. Um, Still somewhat effective. I know some people have been like, okay, we're going to shut down our offices or maybe we're going to shut down our business. So it still has an effect. It's not that it's totally toothless because there are still a great number of people who say, hey, if the governor is saying this, if the health department is saying this, I respect those departments. There's also a lot of people who say, yep, so what? Not doing it. Including some uh, legislators from across the aisle who have said, um, hey, I'm, you can't tell me what to do with my Thanksgiving. I'm still getting together. I'm still celebrating. I'm still getting inside. You can't stop that. Um, that, that was kind of paraphrasing from um, one particular legislator. There's also, you know, Senator Robert Coles out of the Green Bay Area, Republican, longtime senator, state senator, said he agrees with the governor and put out a statement basically saying, yes, I we should be doing this together. This should be joint statements. This should be bipartisan. Um, but nonetheless, I do agree with the governor and we need to be taking these steps. We need to wear a mask. We need to social distance. We need to avoid indoor spaces. So there is at least... That, that probably qualifies as one of the strongest statements by a Republican throughout the course of the whole pandemic. Um, it comes eight months in and it comes basically... And it's not a particularly strong statement. It's basically the same thing health experts have said for a very long time about this. So um, maybe a little hint of cooperation there. Uh, But yeah, it it would be nice to see the two sides just kind of get together and put out a joint message.
0: Yeah, I guess that's my question on this is are uh, strong Strongly worded advisories like this, are these in an, in hopes that things will change down the line in terms of not looking at this as a partisan issue, uh, but looking at it more as a, a public health issue? Are, the, are these steps forward towards potentially being like, OK, now that everybody's on the same page, let's pass something that is actually enforceable without the fear of another lawsuit? Are they stepping stones towards that or are these just kind of calling out into the dark with, with no other path? forward because of, you know, looming legal action.
1: I hate to be so pessimistic, but I don't think we're coming we're we're looking at them coming closer together. Um in that sense, I think it's more of the two sides tiptoeing around each other, tiptoeing around their constituents and and still trying to have this hard line with each other, yet even if they agree like say so in ways that don't sound like they agree, I, I it what I'm saying, it sounds confusing, but that's so is the messaging on so many fronts. <laughs> right.
0: No, for sure. And then I guess the other question that I have is why. So what powers does the governor have in terms of, of doing something? So say uh, Governor Evers wanted to announce another like stay-at-home order. Uh, is that totally off the table because of the precedent set by the first one? Or is that another thing that would require litigation? And, and why not push for something like that, knowing that it's going to get into a legal battle?
1: Um, you know, there's this balance between like showing your power and pushing hard. And actually doing something that might be effective for public health. If he, if the governor puts another order out that we're a stay-at-home order, it probably immediately becomes a political football, becomes a lawsuit, almost guaranteed, and quite likely gets thrown out. And that has been, you know, as long as the legislature is controlled by the Republicans and the Supreme Court is very partisan um, in favor of the Republicans, that's going to be how that, that game is going to be played. I don't see that changing. So I'm sure... The governor is probably playing some sort of calculus of what can I still do to say something that is strong, but doesn't cross that line to the point where it becomes that legal battle. You know, it's, it's, you know, if the governor were more charismatic, maybe it it would change things. Maybe if his public speaking were like, in a more powerful way, you know, like not to slam the governor, but like, you know, a guy like, I, I hate to compare it to Cuomo in New York because Cuomo also has like, uh other cooperation within his state government where we are very divided in Wisconsin, but there is value in being, um, charismatic, you know, and it, that's maybe something he just doesn't have to that same degree. Sure. Uh, one thing about this that is not political is that it is coming on the
0: heels of surging case numbers in both the nation, but Wisconsin and in door County. So numbers are continuing to go up across the board. Um, are, are we seeing any sign of slowing down in Door County after the big rushes in September and October? Or are we looking at potentially another large wave of cases coming, you know, at the end of next weekend or two weeks from that? I, basically following Thanksgiving as we move forward. Do you have any indication from the numbers in terms of where we're sitting in Door County? Uh, it,
1: it's the same old story. It's continued to grow. Yeah. Um, Two weeks ago, I think we recorded 200 cases. Last week we recorded 240 cases. This week, it seems like we're on pace to record more than that. Um, You'd still have sporadic, you know, As Brian Stevens at the hospital would say, you'd have like three days when you don't have any patients and then suddenly you have four patients and they have staffing issues. They have staffing staff members at the hospital who are being exposed or catching COVID themselves. Now they're out of the rotation, which means their ability to perform all the other regular operations becomes trimmed down. Like you, maybe you can't do some electives. Maybe you can't provide some of the service in the er and that i shouldn't say that they they have to to provide the service in the er they have to cut certain other areas to make sure they have that staffing available and the staffing available for the COVID unit so they're they're on pins and needles at most times they're just trying to make sure like what's the bad news we get today if we get a bunch of patients or we get a bunch of staff out that drastically alters how they can operate and serve the community then they're also hamstrung by whatever happens in the green bay and fox valley area um, the icu capacity in the state is just about capped out right now the um, hospital capacity has been at about 85 percent for several weeks that is even with hospitals shutting down a lot of other procedures that might have inpatients over for for days or or longer. Um, There's a story of somebody who tried to find a a bed in Green Bay when their uh, husband had a heart attack and took all night to try and find a hospital to transfer their husband to from Surgeon Bay. So that's not to be alarmist. But the alarm should be raised, right? Like people need to be concerned about this stuff. They need to recognize that it's real. I talked to a patient this week who um, had COVID, spent five days in the ER, five days after that bedridden at home. And just a 58-year-old person, like with an underlying condition, but nothing where you would see this person and say like, oh, they're, they're ripe for COVID, you know, like they're going to be knocked down by this, but they in fact were. So it's, it's very real. The cases get worse. It's spread all over the county. Um, it's roughly equal 400. Since the beginning of the pandemic, there's been about 400 cases in Northern Door, 400 cases in Sturgeon Bay in the city and surrounding areas, and 400 cases in Southern Door. So it's everywhere. Right. So, Miles, one last thing that I wanted
0: to talk about uh, away from from COVID and the politics of things is uh, one of our other favorite things to talk about on the podcast, which is affordable housing. And uh, there is a new attainable housing project that's being proposed for Sister Bay.
1: Tell me what we're looking at just in terms of the scope of the proposal and where it might be located. All right. So... Marissa Downs is a affordable housing developer out of the Fox Valley area. She proposed to the Sister Bay Planning Commission a couple of weeks ago a development for 46 affordable housing units that would be located near the Northern Door Children's Center. Um, That is, for those not super familiar with that, that's on the um, south end of Sister Bay as you go down Highway 57, so just a little outside of the downtown area. Um, These would be supported through WIDA tax credits. That's the Wisconsin Housing and Economic Development Authority. And those would be tax credits as long as these, once you get those credits, your apartments are earmarked for certain income levels and certain rents based on those income levels. And it's kind of a complicated formula, but in general, this means that rents for anything from a one-bedroom to a three-bedroom could be between $330 a month and $800 a month. So in terms of the the gaps
0: that a a project like this is proposing to fill, uh what what sorts of people would find these uh, affordable apartments
1: uh desirable? Um it's a wide range. There is a similar complex, much about half the size called the Blackstone Cottages has been there since 2013 and if you drove by them it's a really nice complex every unit has a garage um pretty nice fixtures you know it's not like the highest end fixtures but it's it's a really nice apartment much better than anything you probably see on the the rental market for housing in Northern Door. And I say that because there really isn't a rental market for housing in Northern Door in, in, in the fact of like, there's not like a place where you would go and find a bunch of listings. So this could be housing for working families um, who, who are working full-time, but maybe not making um, a, a high wage. So it could also be retirees. Um, I talked to the property manager at the Blackstone Cottages, the other uh, WIDA, supported housing project there and they said roughly half of their um, renters are senior citizens mostly single women in their 80s who cannot find housing anywhere else and that's so some of them might be a single woman in their 80s renting a three-bedroom apartment because it's the only apartment they could find so right so you have, yeah, s- and that's,
0: I think, one of the big challenges to something like this is that you you have these brackets that people need to fall into, and if you're if you're above the bracket for something, even by just you know a thousand dollars a year, that puts you in it. It seals off that door for you, and then the next door might be something that's much more expensive. So it it's it's a challenging proposition to try to thread the needle on, especially when there isn't that great sort of like. Uh, linear scale for options for people it's like oh well I couldn't afford you know $800 a month but then there's this place over here where they've got $900 a month apartments it there isn't that sort of um, there isn't that breadth of options right now so if you don't fit into something like this by just even a small amount your next option might be $600 a month
1: more absolutely and it's, it's an interesting concept and it, there's other units like this in the Sturgeon Bay area um, Where it's not, um, it's not necessarily government housing, you know, so I don't want to give the impression that, oh, this is a project, this is um, section eight housing or whatever some people recoil based on, but wrongly, I will say, but (laughs) it's not that kind of giveaway housing that some people thought like the Fish Creek proposal was. This is people who would still pay rent, um, but just people who don't make that, that full time or... I shouldn't say full-time just don't make a high enough wage to be able to afford a lot of the housing that's available up here um so on the flip side so they're paying between 300 so like let's say you had like a two-bedroom for 800 dollars a month and you made slightly more than than that so it's tiered by brackets so it's based on the door county median income median household income so if you make 30 percent of the county's median household income, your rent would be, say, $330 a month for a one-bedroom. If you made 50% of the county's median household income, and I'm just throwing this out there, your rent would be, say, $600 a month. So it's it's tiered. So you're not just getting a giveaway. And it's, it's tiered that way so that, like, okay, we're renting these for $600 a month. All right, I'm a I work in Milwaukee. I I'm just going to take this cuz this is a really cheap way to get a rental apartment in Door County and I want to come up every weekend. It takes that option away, so it's not just gobbled up right. by people who want a, a vacation option. But like you said, it does eliminate a certain like working class bracket where okay, let's say you make $40,000 a year up here. You may not qualify for that apartment. And where you might look at that and go like, all right, there's this great two bedroom apartment and I can live in there for $800 a month. That's that's just what I'm looking for. Well, you make a little too much so you don't qualify. Well, then the next house available, the next apartment available, maybe for you and if it's available might be $1,300 a month and that there's nothing in between there. So you, you'd still have this gap in Northern Door County of just not having that uh, that middle ground of a market rate apartment somewhere in that $800 to thousand dollar range. And that's right. That so that still would remain a, a problem in Northern Door. This doesn't solve all the problems. And no development can solve all the problems. And one but one thing we have a problem with in Door County is that somebody does something and somebody just focuses on all the things that it's not instead of saying, well, this does fit this niche. And an example of that, right, there are 70, 70 some units that have been built between like Niagara Ridge and the Glen, two developments in Sister Bay. They are not affordable housing, so to speak. Some people would call them workforce housing. That's debatable. They rent for about $1,275 to $1,375 a month. And they filled in no time at all. So clearly there's a market for them. So there is a a need. There is a niche for them. It just doesn't do everything that we need up here. And Sister Bay now has to decide if they want to help make this other, this thing that fills a different niche. Right. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the solution long term. It's not one thing that solves
0: all of the problems. It's a, or it's a patchwork of different things that will all solve individual problems. And and at the end of it, you'll have everything filled. Ideally, <laughs> if you keep working right. at it, right. Um. Right. So, where
1: is this project right now, and what are the next steps for it moving forward? So, Mercer Downs brought this to the Sister Bay Planning Commission a couple of weeks ago, basically trying to get their initial feedback on okay, here's this idea. Do you like where I'm going with it? Is this something you guys would approve of as a use for this property? And should I start putting more of the the work together on this? Like, basically saying, I don't want to do all this work if you guys don't have any interest in seeing this come forward at all. And the the plan commission was very much in favor of it. Denise Berto, the plan commission chair said, I've turned it as a potential turning point for Northern Door County, basically saying, you know, in Sister Bay, we spent a lot of money on the beach, on the downtown area, on amenities for tourists, and improving things for our business community, which is awesome. But she said, now we need to do some other things to invest in our community, our local communities, our workforce, which in turn helps the business community. So that starts with a place for them to live and a place for them to to see a future where they can invest in Sister Bay and eventually graduate to buying a home in Sister Bay and being there long-term. So plan right. Commission gave it the okay. Marissa now says to make this work, she needs, and she said all this to the Planning Commission as well, it would be reliant on those tax credits, which wouldn't come through until late next spring, April or May. And it's a competitive market. So there's no guarantee that she would get those credits. If you remember the Westside School in Sturgeon Bay went for similar tax credits last year, did not get them. So that thing has still not happened. It might still be on the drawing board, but it hasn't moved forward. And then um, she said it also would require some Either other grants to pay for some things or some more investment from the village of Sister Bay in terms of, you know, potentially helping build with some of the infrastructure surrounding this apartment, which would be like the roads, uh, sewer and water hookup, maybe a stormwater retention pond. Not cheap, but, you know, if the village does that, that basically what she says is like, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars. If, if we had to do that for the development, we couldn't do it affordably. Like it, it does, the numbers don't work out. So be looking right. for some sort of um, cooperation and partnership from the village, and if you when Jackson Parr was uh, up here full- time for us at the pulse, he did a lot of reporting on some of the developments in Sister Bay, and they've gotten burned in the past by developers who did not come through and fulfill their promises and Marissa um, said she recognizes that and is a you know understands that the village may be hesitant, but that's that's the risk that she's hoping they're willing to take. Right. Well, we will
0: continue to uh, monitor the situation as it moves forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of this. With that, Miles, uh, great job on the second recording. Do you want to record this episode a third time?
1: Yeah. Why don't we just erase this right away as soon as we get off the the phone here and uh, yeah we can just do this again because I just want to keep repeating myself
0: yeah it's <laughs> it's a it's a great set of stories uh, I would I would like to do it a third time uh, let's hope that we don't have to though and uh, we'll, we'll call it there all and right if, if you're here if you're hearing this we did it uh, if not then we're on we're on episode three so <laughs> thank you miles uh, for the extra time this week and I look forward to chatting with
1: you again next week thank you for putting up with my uh, sound recording errors oh it, it
0: happens to the